0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and every month I get a chance to talk to Ken Samples, and I always look forward to Ken. He's a senior research scholar with Reasons to Believe, and it's the, uh, also an adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola University. He's the author of several books, Without a Doubt, A World of Difference, and Seven Truths That Change the World, among just some of his uh, great work. Ken, welcome back to the show. It's good to be with you, Bill. Yeah, always. Now, we're going to talk about, a, I think, a difficult topic today, and just because in light of the, the Middle East war, I want to talk today with you about the Middle Eastern monotheistic religions' views of God. Yes. Are you
1: up for this? I think it's such an important topic. I think it will help people to appreciate uh, part of what's happening in the world today.
0: Okay, so maybe we can start by just trying to lay some foundation work. What are the distinctives of the three religions? And maybe you would just spell that out for us.
1: Yeah, let me begin by giving you the kind of creedal statement for the three religions. We'll start, of course, with Judaism, which is the oldest of the three religions. Deuteronomy 6.4 in um, Jewish thinking, Hebrew thinking, is known as the Shema, Something you do with your ear. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So that's that may be the single most cited biblical passage in the world today. So you can see with Israel, uh uh it emphasizes Israel is God's people, it emphasizes the Lord is one, hmm. monotheism. Mm-hmm. If we were to move to Christianity... Let's
0: pause here just for a minute, Ken, because you said a word that that probably went over some people's heads. And and the um, Jewish people will recite this uh, prayer out of Deuteronomy in the morning and in the evening. And it's called the Shema. Is that S-H-E-M-A? Correct. Okay, that's a
1: Hebrew word. And And again, the passage, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So you really see it, uh, a central feature of, of, uh, Judaism. Uh, you have the people of God, God's people, Israel, and, uh, they belong to the Lord our God, who is the one God. And that's right at the heart of what they believe. Uh, Jews believe that, uh, they are God's people. They mm-hmm. believe that two great events of the Old Testament, would be the exodus and the giving of the law. So Moses is the prophet uh, who has the great task of uh, revealing uh, God's law to his people. And of course, they go back to Abraham. Now, if I could introduce Christianity at that point, I would also use a creed. I want to use two. One would be, this is the oldest Christian creed. This This would have been recited before Greek, it would have been recited uh, by the Hebrew Christians uh, in Aramaic, possibly. Uh, and it's the simple statement from Romans ten nine: Jesus is Lord. Mm. That word Lord in Greek is kurios. That would be the word that would translate Yahweh. So Jesus is Lord means Jesus is Yahweh. He's an extension of Yahweh. Now, another passage that I think is critical, it's also a credo passage, it's John 1.1 and 1.14. John writes, in the beginning, echoing back to Genesis 1.1, no doubt, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then moving to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So right there, you recognize that Christianity is monotheistic, only one God, but there is diversity of personhood within the one divine essence that we call that the Trinity. Later, we'll introduce the spirit. Mm -hmm. But then there's the second critical truth. God has become flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. So right at the core there. Now, looking at Islam in light of the Shema, in light of the early Christian creeds, we have what is called the Shahada. That would be the first pillar, the five pillars of Islam. And their creed is, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. The reason I begin with these creeds is because I think they really focus in Islam says, look, there's one God, and that God is Allah, and Muhammad is his unique prophet. So that's right at the core of these three religions. You see the idea of God's oneness, and you see the recognition in Christianity of Jesus uh, in Islam with the prophet Muhammad. So that would be part of their distinctive features. Now, going a, going a step further there's kind of a unique relationship between the three let me let me again go to Judaism and Christianity Christians believe in what the Jews call the Tanakh that's the Hebrew Bible mm-hmm. we believe as Christians that the Tanakh is the word of God the law the prophets and the writings um We believe that it is the inspired word of God. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah and not just any Messiah. He's the Jewish Messiah. Now, Christians believe that God's revelation about God and the Messiah is progressive. Nothing in Christianity contradicts the old Testament or the Tanakh, but the new Testament expands on the Tanakh. So, um, you know, If we could say the Trinity is kind of hinted at in the Old Testament, but it becomes more explicit in the New. Now, shifting to Islam, Islam says something different. It says that the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, and the New Testament Christian scriptures, uh, the New Testament, those are revelation from God, but they have been corrupted and the only way to rightly understand the Hebrew Bible and the Christian New Testament is to read it through the prism of the Quran, which is the word of God given to Muhammad. So you have kind of uh differing ideas. Jews, Christians, and Muslims almost sounds like I'm gonna tell a joke, right? <laughs> it does. Uh, Jews, Christians, and Muslims, they have differing ideas. But they all three go back to Abraham. They all refer to themselves as the Abrahamic religions, the monotheistic religions. They're all theistic, meaning they believe in a God who is personal and has all these omni qualities, all power, all knowledge, all, all, everywhere present. And they believe in monotheism, one God. So here you have those kind of three distinctive religions and uh, uh, Islam, probably 1.8 billion people. Christianity, being inclusive, you know, Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant, non-denominational, probably 2.2, 2.3 billion. And then you have Judaism, about 16 million. Judaism is a tiny religion with an incredible influence. And so uh by the year 2050, the Pew report says by 2050, there'll be approximately, if trends continue, 9 billion people on the planet, 3 billion Christian, 3 billion Muslim, and then 3 billion other religious and non-religious. So the world's not getting less religious, it's getting more religious. Even with the growth of secularism, there has been a significant growth uh, among the world's religions
0: so interesting. Ken Samples is my guest. If you have a question or a comment for Ken, let me know what it is. The text line is open just for you 877-933-2484 again 877-933-2484. When Islam talks about Allah and Muhammad being the prophet, where is Allah right now?
1: Well, Allah is the supreme God. Allah is uh, has has the qualities uh, that theism grants. He would be everywhere present. He would have all knowledge. Uh, Muslims believe that uh, Allah is a single solitary person. Now, this becomes very important because like Judaism and Islam, they believe God is both one God and one person here's where Christianity differs and says, no, God is not just one being. He's three persons. And what's interesting, Bill, sometimes Judaism and Islam have more in common. Other times, many times, Christianity and Judaism have more in common. But for example, a Jew, an Orthodox Jew would say, you know, do you keep kosher? And uh, Islam has a very similar approach. There is the idea of uh, appropriate foods that you eat, and days that you keep. Some would say in the modern world, Jews and Muslims are more a religion of practice, where Christianity is a more a religion of belief. And there's truth in all of that to some degree.
0: Yeah, Christianity is all about relationship. And I know that when I've talked to other guests about Islam, it, it's, it's such a duty, and there's nothing personal. Uh, there's no personal connection to Allah
1: this is this is a very strong distinctive difference both in uh, the Hebrew Bible and in the Christian New Testament you have a personal relationship with God now there are some Muslims who have push back on that and they want to describe Allah as a personal being but I think classically if you understand Islam uh, n- nothing can get close to God God doesn't have a son God can't the offense of Christianity to Islam is the idea that God would have a son that would be equal to, to the father or mm-hmm. equal to Allah. So there is that component uh, that uh, distinguishes the, the religions.
0: Mm-hmm. Ken, let's talk a little bit more about Christianity and Judaism, how they agree and disagree.
1: Yeah, very very important. There's a lot of common ground, obviously, uh Christians believe that uh, you know, even the name Jesus Christ, Christ is not a name, it's a title. Christos in Greek, it me it comes from the Hebrew Mashiach, meaning Messiah or anointed one. So Christians believe that the Messiah will come into the world, and he's especially anointed by the Holy Spirit, just as prophet, priests, and kings were anointed by. Uh, the religion of Judaism, so Jesus is the Messiah. He is the appointed one, and there are some differences there. Uh, Christians obviously believe that Jesus comes first in a lowly state where he is crucified, uh, but then he will come in glory. That's one of the pushbacks that Jews have, that Jesus doesn't seem to do what we expect the Messiah to do, to break uh, the reign of the Romans uh, and to kind of set Israel back in its proper place. So there are differences, but lots of commonalities, Bill, not only in our belief in who God is, uh, but also our deep commitment to moral values. I mean, I think in many ways, Christianity has taken Jewish ideas and taken them to the world so the idea of the 10 commandments the idea of the sanctity of of human life even even science politics economics those things christianity it by and large is a judeo christian idea and has brought it to the world so uh you know it in many ways while judaism is a tiny fraction of a religion the influence it has is monumental and often through Christianity.
0: And Ken, why the attack on Judaism?
1: Yeah, this is such such an important topic. Uh, You know, my father was a combat soldier in the Second World War, and his infantry division liberated a Jewish concentration camp. I remember being a boy, asking him questions about that. Bodies lying everywhere. You could smell the camp for a mile before you could ever see it. The suffering was horrific. Uh, Bill, I believe that the reason anti-Semitism has always been a problem, and sometimes it has certainly been a problem even for Christians, it's kind of the dark side of Christianity, if you will. I think the the anti-Semitism never goes away. The hatred toward the Jewish people never comes away because they are indeed God's people. And I believe there is a demonic... Uh, presence behind that. That's not to minimize any other type of bigotry. There's anti-Christian ideas. There's no doubt anti-Islamic ideas. People don't like the Irish or they don't like whomever it may be. But I think that, uh, there is a spiritual component. There is a hatred that comes from the spiritual side. And, you know, that's controversial when you talk to people who don't necessarily believe in a demonic, but I do. And I think that uh, it, it's just baffling that antisemitism would be held in the ancient world. It's held today, even after the Holocaust, where six million Jews were exterminated in 1944, in Auschwitz, they were murdering 12,000 Jews a day. That's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I think there's a spiritual, a dark spiritual component behind anti-Semitism.
0: Mm, I would agree. Ken Samples is my guest. If you have a question or a comment for Ken, as we talk about this topic of exploring how close are the Middle Eastern monotheistic religious views of God, you can text it over to me at 877 933 84. Be right back with Ken in just a minute.
2: What season of life are you in right now? Season of life. There are lots of ways to answer that question. So what season of life are you in right now? You may feel as if you are in a season of hopeful expectation, or a season of desperation. You may feel as if you are in a dry season, or a rainy season, or maybe a season of abundance. Maybe this is a transitional season for you. What season of life are you in right now? Let me say first that you're not alone in whatever season you are in. And let me also say that God wants to meet you and be with you in that current season, even in that season of wilderness or dryness. And God wants to lead you through that current season to the next one. Discover what God is doing in your life now and where he's leading next at this year's Set Apart Conference for Women. It's March 8 and 9 at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can register today at setapartconference.com. That's setapartconference.com. Welcome to the show. If you
0: just joined me, thank you for tuning in. Ken Samples is my guest. He's a senior research scholar with Reasons to Believe. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken, see his good-looking picture, and find out about his many books that he's written. We're talking today about the uh, how close are the Middle Eastern monotheistic religions' views of God and. Ken's been nice enough to uh create a understanding of of Islam and Judaism and Christianity and now we're talking about some of the uh things that they agree and disagree on. Ken, maybe we can go to Christianity and Islam what what do they agree on and disagree on?
1: yeah, another very important this this is so important to have an understanding of religion when people fail to have an understanding of religion. They don't recognize that it influences economics. It influences foreign policy, politics, all of these kinds of things. Looking at Islam and Christianity, they have a lot in common. Both religions are theistic, a personal God that has infinite and eternal qualities. They believe that God is one being. They share many values. Judaism, Islam and Christianity all affirm the Ten Commandments. They may orient them somewhat differently, but they believe in them. And by the way, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Taoism has the second five of the Ten Commandments. And from a Christian point of view, that doesn't surprise us. Everybody's made in the image of God. Everybody has general revelation. There are really serious differences, however, between Islam and Christianity. Uh, for example, uh, Islam rejects the Trinity. They believe that trinitarian belief expressed by christians that's polytheism they also reject the idea that jesus is both god and man they believe he's only a man now muslims say very positive things about jesus he was a holy man he performed miracles they even believe in their own eschatological views and that is uh muslims and christians both have end time scenarios They believe Jesus will make an appearance in the world before the world comes to an end, and they call him Isa. But they also reject not only the Trinity and the Incarnation, they reject salvation by grace. Uh, The message of Islam is obedience. It is commitment uh, to the teachings that have been revealed uh, through the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, Muslims even believe that Jesus was not crucified. Um, that maybe somebody else was impaled. So uh, there is there is the rejection of these uh, great truths. So if you reject the Trinity, the Incarnation, the Atonement, uh, even the Imago Dei. Now, most Muslims are not taught the image of God. People are in the image of God. Some Muslim theologians would say that puts human beings too close to Allah. But you can see that these are very distinctive religions when you reject the Trinity, the incarnation, the atonement, the image of God. This is going to make Christianity and Islam at loggerheads with one another. So as much as they have in common, the differences about the very nature and work of Jesus is at the heart of the differences. Mm -hmm. Ken, a question has
0: come in. Can you uh, talk about how the Quran was given to Muhammad?
1: Yes. So Islam is one of the youngest of the world's religions. Um, uh, In in the uh, sixth century, uh, Muhammad is born in the Arabic desert. By the way, there are people who question the historicity of Muhammad. I do not. I believe that he was a historical person uh and he lived uh in the arabic desert he he was orphan orphaned very soon so he had no parents he was not taught to read and write he was illiterate uh he was uh cared for by his uncle and grandfather but by the time he died in his early 60s he was the undisputed of the entire arabic people now, what happens is uh, he is in a cave and he experiences a presence. He initially thinks that uh, maybe this is a troubling presence. Maybe this is a demonic presence. But through his discussion with his wife uh, and uh, her sister, he concludes that it is the voice of God. And uh, so Quran means to recite. While Muhammad cannot read or write, he memorizes, this is the Islamic teaching, he memorizes the content of the Quran. It is later written down. Um, and so this is that revelatory experience. Muslims believe that Abraham and Moses are great prophets, but they also believe Jesus is a prophet, but Muhammad is the final prophet. His His role as a prophet supersedes all others. So again, there is the idea in Islam that Islam fulfills Judaism and Christianity, where Jews and Christians have corrupted the scriptures. Um, Muhammad gives a revelation that straightens all that out. And Muslims believe that originally the Hebrew Bible and the Christian Bible would have reflected the true teachings of the Quran, but they had been corrupted. Hmm. So that's that's one of the difference. Christians and Jews, particularly Christians, we don't believe the Hebrew Bible's been corrupted. We don't believe that's filled with errors. We believe God has progressively revealed more, more about the Messiah, more about the nature of God, etc. But we don't believe that it is corrupt, Uh, And, of course, I think that that's a a real logical difficulty for Islam, because for Islam to be true, Judaism and and Christianity have to at least be partly true. But while they say it's partly true, they also say it's corrupt. I think that's an incoherent, revelatory idea. I talk about that in my book, A World of Difference.
0: Mm, So good. Ken Samples is my guest. Ken, another question that has come in is, the Bible says to love everyone. Does the Muslim text teach that nonbelievers are to be eliminated?
1: This, of course, is uh, an area of uh, controversy. There are passages in the Quran that uh, seem to be pretty straightforward that one could uh, not only reject the infidel, uh, including the Jew or the Christian, and even even use violence in the name of God. That There are other Muslim interpretations. Some, for example, would see jihad not as a holy war, but jihad is kind of like an inner sanctification. The great struggle is controlling your own inward moral motivations. But uh, I still think that there is a there is a deep challenge, and I I don't say this to put down or um, not allow the Islamic position to be stated. But when you don't believe in a you don't believe in a catastrophic fall, I mean Islam doesn't believe in original sin. Then why so much violence within their history? Uh, at least Christianity says people are fallen, they're broken. Uh Evil is in the world because we live in a in a fallen world. Islam doesn't believe in a catastrophic fall, but they have a lot of violence even the even the caliphs these are the people who would uh, kind of take up Muhammad's role. Um, many of the early leaders in Islam were assassinated. And uh, Islam has a problem with violence. Christianity at one time had a problem with violence. Uh, all people have a problem with violence because we live in a broken, fallen world.
0: Hmm. All right, Ken, eventually I'm going to want to ask the question, do these three religions worship the same God? But I'm not there quite yet. I do want to ask a little bit about Judaism and Islam and how yes. they line up, how they agree, and how they disagree.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things here that I I think might catch your listeners by surprise. Uh, There are times where Muslims and Jews seem to have more synergism. And what I mean by that, for example, um, it seems that modern Judaism and Islam are largely religions of practice. Do you keep kosher? Uh, They would even say, uh, Jews would say that when it comes to beliefs and values and belonging, Judaism would say the first question is: Do you belong? Are you a Jew? And and a Jew could, of course, it, is it an ethnicity? Is it a religion? Is it a people group? Those things are debated, but for Jew, modern Jews, belonging is more important than values, and values are more important than beliefs. Mm. To some degree that's similar to islam you have the five pillars you you say the creed you give uh, uh money to the poor uh you know you uh you have a period of time where you you fast you take your trip to mecca it seems like islam and judaism have more of a religion of practice whereas christianity belonging of course is very valuable and very important but belief in values would be even more valuable. So to some degree, and, and I think this is a very important point to realize, many Christians think all Jews are just like the Jews were in the Old Testament. Judaism has evolved. Judaism has gone in very different direction. There's a large portion of Jews in the world that don't believe in God. We call them secular Jews. Uh, so Judaism has changed and uh in the modern world you may meet jews that are very religious and very devout for others they it is it is part of their culture it's part of their upbringing so it it's important to recognize that the religions have have changed and and have evolved in in varying degrees
0: mhm ken samples is my guest he's a senior research scholar with reasons to believe you can learn more about ken at reasons.org if you have a question or comment you can always text it over, 877-933-2484. Be right back with Ken in just a minute.
1: It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Pride time, drive time.
0: Let's get it started. Jump in your car for dinner. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. Always glad to be talking to Ken Samples. He's a philosopher and theologian. He's a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe. You can learn more about him at reasons.org. And today, uh, I'm so glad we're talking about the three different Middle Eastern monotheistic religious views of God. and It would be Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. So, I'm going to ask the big loaded question now, Ken. Do the yeah. three religions worship the same God?
1: Well, here's the answer I'm going to give you, Bill. Um, theologically conservative Christian scholars take differing positions on that. Wow. Uh, for example, uh, some Christian theologians say, yes, they do worship the same God. But what they mean by that is that uh Only in terms of sharing the same basic view or reference of God. So let's say, let's say Islam, Judaism, and Christianity all believe in a single divine being, all believe that he has infinite and eternal qualities. So you have the same reference. It's not like pantheism or some other conception of God. Others say no. And in fact, I think the strongest and vigorous statement that Muslims and Christians don't worship the same God comes from Islam. They believe that the Trinity is false, even though in the Quran, it defines the Trinity as the Father, the Son, and the Virgin Mary. I don't think, I think one of the big problems between Islam and Christianity is I don't think I don't think Muhammad really ever had a clear idea of what Orthodox Christianity was. I believe the people that he bumped into in his uh, camel taxi service that he had, that's the way you travel through the desert, Mm -hmm. he would bump into Christians and Jews and Zoroastrians. But many of the Christians he encountered probably held a heretical view of Christ, rejecting the Trinity, rejecting the deity of Christ. Muslims are very vigorous in saying that the triune God is is a false conception of God. Now, um, a more complicated question, I think, is do Jews and Christians worship the same God? Because there you have even more common ground. But uh, I'll tell you, there is a a book that's uh, available on Amazon, and it's entitled "Do Christians, Muslims, and Jews Worship the Same God?" Four Views. So uh, I don't I don't believe Muslims and Christians worship the same God. Um, I'm a bit more sympathetic to the idea that Jews and Christians worship the same God. But I think it's important to also recognize that. Christianity is kind of a mutation. We believe that uh, Jesus is an expression of Yahweh, and so uh, we believe in the Trinity. So that is a that's a, a challenging question. It isn't as is easy, I think, to answer. Uh, but there are differing perspectives, and I think it's important to be able to talk about. Both where we agree and where we disagree, and how significant the agreement and disagreements are.
0: And Ken, it's a lot easier to come to the disagreement conclusion than the agreement conclusion, because when Islam says that they don't believe in the Trinity, that's kind of a deal breaker right there.
1: Well, that's right. It, it, uh, you know, in many in many respects, uh, Islam is the complete contradiction to Christianity. Yeah, rejecting the Trinity, the incarnation, the atonement, the image of God, the nature of the fall. I mean, to to disagree with that is in large measure to disagree with what we would call historical or classical Christianity.
0: Mm-hmm. And not to mention, they say plenty of offensive things about things we hold sacred and dear.
1: This is exactly right. And, uh, and of course, within Islam, you have varying groups. I mean, even the two major groups of Muslims, the Sunni and the Shia or Shiites, you have very strong differences, uh, there. And of course, in the Middle East, if you look at the political issues, you even have proxy, uh, organizations for the various Islamic groups. So it's not an easy thing to understand. But what I think is so important is to be able to gain some basic, solid information about the religious views. I think that offers, then, insight into how to think about values, how to think about politics, and, and various other issues.
0: Mm-hmm. Ken, despite all these religious views, how do we get to a place where we can be at peace with God?
1: Yeah, that that's... Boy, that's such an important point. Um, you know, I, I think that we have to learn how to, uh, you know, when we talk to people of differing faiths, not just to, to Jews and Muslims, uh, but to Hindus and Buddhists and Confucianists and Taoists and atheists and agnostics. Um, I I think that we have to emphasize uh, two critical things. And I think they were right at the heart of Jesus's ministry. And the two things are truth and love. Uh, we we have to be truthful with one another. Christians can't compromise about the identity and the work of Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We believe that uh, Jesus's death is different than all other uh, salvific plans. And so we have to be truthful about what we believe, who Jesus was, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, that his death has taken our sin, and we can have a personal relationship by trusting him, uh, believing in him, following him. Um, and I, I think it's also very critical that we are gracious and loving. Um... You know, we're to love our neighbor. Our neighbor includes Muslims. It includes Jews. It includes Jehovah's Witnesses. It includes skeptics. Uh, we are to, we are to endeavor to treat people the way we want to be treated. Uh, but you know, I, I like to put it this way, Bill. I'm, I'm tolerant of people, or at least I try to be. (laughs) My wife says sometimes I need to work on that, and she's usually right. But I try to be tolerant of people, but I'm intolerant of false ideas. So when people have false ideas about Jesus or false ideas about the nature of God or the nature of the gospel, I'm not tolerant about that. I believe that two contradictory statements can't both be true. You can't say that the Trinity is true and the Trinity is false and both of those statements be correct. Jesus can't be both God and man and not be God and man. So there is a clash of ideas. But I don't think we should allow the clash of ideas to lead us to be unloving in our treatment of other people. Of course, you know, when it comes down to terrorist groups and things of that nature, uh, then there has to be force that's used. But Christianity makes a unique statement. We believe, we believe in the Jewish Messiah. We believe that Jesus was in fact, uh, the spirit anointed son of the father. And, um, you know, th- that means that, uh, that means we can say to our Jewish friends, we love you. Your Hebrew scriptures have given us so much of what we believe to be true. We are so deeply indebted uh to Jewish people. And we love you and will protect you to do all in our power. But we do believe Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And they should have the right to either say yes or no. And so I, I think it's important to be truthful and yet to be gracious and, and kind. And uh, you know, I I remember the first time, Bill, I studied the Holocaust and asked my dad questions. I couldn't believe it. I mean, an an entire state, uh, a modern European country, policy was to exterminate a whole race of people. You know, we're told never to forget. And now in America, you have people chanting things like gas the Jews. Hmm. This is extraordinary. I, I I am amazed to see these things happening. But, um, you know, we live in a fallen world. I think the one biblical truth that's proved every single day is human beings are sinners.
0: Well said, Ken Samples. I'm going to take a break. We'll come back more with Ken. If you have a question or comment, you can send it over via text 877-933-2484. Be right back. Receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic. Sign up for this first-of-the-day email at myfaithradio.com. My friend Ken Samples is my guest today. You can learn more about Ken at reasons.org. I do encourage you to do that. And Ken, when you were talking at the last segment about being intolerant of bad ideas, I jotted that down. So when you're intolerant of bad ideas, how can you still be invitational and winsome to a lost person?
1: Well, that's a that's quite a high bar at times. But I, I, I think, you know, if, if somebody told me that two plus two equals five, um, you know, I might think you need to do some uh, you need to go back and study mathematics. <laughs> but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say, well, you know, that's okay. It's true for you. It's no, true I
0: agree. You.
1: No, there they're you know, or if somebody told me that it's okay to uh to murder innocent civilians. No, it's not okay. So there are certain things that are true, there are certain things that are right, there are certain things that are good. Um I don't think any of us would expect us to be tolerant of things that are false or, or things that are evil. Um, and yet, because we disagree on certain things, doesn't mean that I'm unloving. I believe all people are made in the image of God. Because of that, because of that Jewish belief that Christians have adopted, we believe all people have inherent dignity and moral worth, whether they're in the womb or whether they have silver hair or near death uh whether they have special needs, all people have dignity and value. I think that you can carry on uh, a respectful uh and and an understanding view. You know, Bill, a lot of people don't know much about religion. That's that's one of the problems I think we have in our world. Um we we see people in a different part of the world who have differing ideas and practices. I think we can educate ourselves, and that can help us to say, hey, where do Jews, Christians, and Muslims agree? Now, where do they disagree? How significant are those differences? Do those agreements and differences have anything to do with what's happening in the world, in the Middle East? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that can help us. Uh, You know, I want to treat other people's beliefs the way I want mine treated. doesn't mean I accept them. I don't think Allah is the true God. Uh, I I believe Allah is a false conception of God, but I will do everything I can to try to articulate very carefully and correctly the Islamic belief system, because I think I have an obligation to treat other people the way I want to be treated. I also believe I have an obligation to treat other people's beliefs respectfully and Mm fair-mindedly. I don't like it when I turn on TV and they, and they, They rip Christianity out of its context. Well, if I I don't want that done to me, I don't want to do it to others.
0: So, Ken, if I said all good people are going to heaven, what would you say to me?
1: Well, I I would say that uh, there aren't any good people. (laughs) Uh, All of us are are broken people. Uh, All of us uh, exhibit inappropriate anger. All of us experience envy, gluttony, greed, lust, pride, sloth, bitterness, unforgiveness. That's just one day. That's right. I could go on and on. There are a lot of lists in scripture. Um, You know, the, the reality is we are a fallen people. We are a broken people. And I would say to my Jewish friends and Muslims, and I say this very respectfully, we need more than a prophet. We need a savior. Amen. We need someone to take our sins away. And so the problem, sin is a much deeper problem, I think, than most of us realize. The good news is Christ is a much greater Savior than I think most of us realize.
0: Mm -hmm. Can I have confidence that when I take my last breath that I will be in the presence of the Lord? Is there any way to know for sure?
1: Well, uh, I believe as we open up the scriptures, we encounter a remarkable person. Uh, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, I think when we look at his credentials, his lifestyle, the miracles that he performed, I believe the New Testament is a credible uh, eyewitness, uh, or people who wrote the Gospels were either eyewitnesses or they were close associates of eyewitnesses. I think there's good reason to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and um, I have a book called God Among Sages, where I compare Jesus with Krishna, Buddha, Confucius, and Muhammad. One of the points I make is Jesus is not only fundamentally different than you and me, he's fundamentally different than all of the great religious leaders of the world, and even the philosophers, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Jesus is unlike anyone else. And you know what? I know many Jews who have embraced Jesus as Yeshua. Uh, even with their difficulties with Christianity and even with the association of Christianity and anti-Semitism, they have fallen in love with Yeshua and they recognize that there is no one uh, like him. And so Jesus says, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest you know what? We're all heavy heavy laden. We're all burdened. We're burdened with our sin. We're burdened with life's difficulties and suffering. Jesus says, come to me, and I will give rest to your soul. I can tell you, Krishna, Buddha, Confucius, and Muhammad never said that. Neither did Socrates, Plato, or Aristotle.
0: Mm -hmm. Ken, how can I communicate with God?
1: Well, you know what? You can... You can cry out, Jesus said, you know, knock and the door will be open. Seek and you'll find. You know, there are people today who say God is hidden. I encourage you, knock, seek, look. Uh, I did. I went through a very difficult time in my family life. I was kind of at the end of my rope and uh I kept knocking. I kept looking. I kept seeking and uh, the Lord found me. I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I came to believe in the triune God. Uh, I came to see his blessings and his love and forgiveness in my life. And uh, if you're in a tough spot right now, Jesus was in a tough spot. And it it was his suffering that can relieve your suffering and bring you into a relationship. And I, I believe that with my whole heart. I believe you can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe when you open up the New Testament, it is the word of God. And I believe that is also true of the Hebrew Old Testament. Jesus is not just the Messiah. He's the Jewish Messiah. Jews and Christians need to learn to respect and love one another. And Jews and Christians need to learn how to uh, respect and honor Muslim people as well.
0: Mm. Ken, what does it mean to believe in Jesus
1: the root of the word belief, uh, in Greek it is pistuo. that's the verb. The noun is pistis, to have faith. Confident trust in Jesus Christ, that I, I trust in the person of Christ. He is God's son. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. His death on the cross has taken away all my sins. And through faith, he has given me a righteousness that Uh, is now mine, that belonged to him. And so belief is confident trust in a reliable source, and that reliable source is Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior, the Jewish Messiah.
0: Mm, And thank you. And Ken, talk about how important it is to pray for whoever it is you're wanting to engage in conversation. If you have a Jewish friend or a Muslim friend, how you need to spend time in advance maybe weeks maybe months praying for that person before you even have conversation 1
1: well that's exactly right and it's right because one of the one of the diabolical things about sin is it blinds us uh All of us are sinners it It is like a it's like a heavy bias. It is like a blindness that comes over us. God is all around, and yet we can't see him because of our fallenness and our brokenness. We need to pray that God's holy spirit would illumine the mind, soften the heart, incline the will. People are involved in a spiritual warfare, so we want to pray not just that uh people will hear our words but they'll hear the spirit that is at the very core of the message of the gospel.
0: Mm, So good. Ken, I always enjoy having you on the program, and thank you so much for making time in your day to be with us and to um, always get me thinking. And I know you get a lot of people thinking, so I appreciate that very much.
1: My pleasure, Bill. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah. So what can I look for you next? Do you have another book in in the works?
1: I am. I have a a book. It is entitled uh, Clear Thinking in a Messy World and a world that's getting messier all the time. So we want some clear thinking that that will probably be coming out sometime next year. And I'd love to come on and talk with you about it. Indeed, we will. Okay. Thank you, Bill.
0: Yep. Thank you so much. That is all the show we have for today. Thank you so much to Ken Samples. I appreciate you. I care so much about your day and I appreciate you spend time with me. I love you. Have a great night, and I'll see you tomorrow.